Hot Takes with Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day. Who here thought Joe Ingles could be this good? Admit it. There's no way you did. I'll admit it. There's no chance I thought this guy would be running the offense. This guy would be hitting threes from everywhere. This guy should be closing games. This guy should be starting games. This guy's a nightmare in the pick and roll. There's multiple things that are true about Joe Ingles that I never believed. <laughs> there. Did I plead guilty enough for you, PK? Well, you listed a whole bunch of things, and I got a short-term memory. Did you list the three-point shooting proficiency? Yes, that's on. I never thought he'd shoot it. I guess of all the things he's pulled off, you know, for a player to come in and be pretty good at catching and shooting, but he's shooting off the dribble and and being this good. I mean, I thought he could be – somebody could have a knack to be a 40% shooter, and there's enough of them now that it's not – that surprising, but if you're going to start shooting 45% or better, that's absolutely surprising. Surprising. Uh, Didn't see it coming. Well, the thing about the shooting is I didn't really know because I knew nothing about him. So I didn't know, was he a three-point shooter and with his national team, was he a three-point shooter in the European mm-hmm. competition that he played? I really didn't have any idea. Uh, the, the thing that really struck me I think it was uh, two years ago at Media Day, and they had it at the arena, and I'm in there, and I think it was when Justin Zanuck was elevated, so it wasn't this season. I think it was was either before last season or before the other season. I think it was before last season. And so Jay-Z and Dennis are sitting up there. Yeah, it was, because uh, when Joe came up, he was with Mike Conley, and this is Conley's obviously his second year. So it was the start of the prior season. And Dennis said, it really struck me because I had no background of Joe Ingles. Uh, he said that Joe has transformed him from a journeyman, for himself from a journeyman overseas into a top 10 small forward. And I thought, man, you know, you would think that as well as, and this was last year, and he's having his, I think he's having his best season this year. Uh, and it was before last season, so uh, I think it's his seventh year, so that would have been starting his sixth year. Uh, you would think if you were this good, you were more than a journeyman overseas. It's In my mind, it seems like, well, if you're a really good, like Doncich, okay, he's a star in the NBA. Well, he was a star from 14 on. And so you think that there would be some type of correlation from what he was doing in his prior uh, levels of competition would stand out in order to be a top 10 at your position in the NBA, you would think that the track record would be better. But a journeyman, and I remember specifically Dennis called him a journeyman, and I thought, man, this has been incredible improvement. And the gains that he's made while in the NBA is just an unbelievable story. Even if he was an uh, an introvert, and he didn't put himself out there with his kids and his wife. And I'm not sure I know anybody else's wife's name on the team, but yet I know about Renee. I feel like I've known Renee all my life because he talks about her a lot, and she's doing stuff in the community. They're active out there. You put that aside. 
that adds to the greatness of the story. It doesn't necessarily add to the greatness of the player. It adds to the greatness of this Hollywood-like story. Even if he was an introvert and we knew nothing about him and he did his interviews and he went home, he still would be a phenomenal story as a player. You combine that with all the stuff that he's done, and it's really just incredible. And there's just no way that I saw it. I, I didn't, when I went after him and had my conversations, I, I just had happened to be with him a couple of times. And one time at a dinner when he's randomly placed at my table and we got to be talking. I thought that a reason why I was attracted to him to get him on the radio is because I thought he was a good radio personality. I knew really nothing about the player. When you tack on the player, and it just blows my mind. Joe is now shooting 49% from three and is the number one three-point shooter in the NBA. That goes beyond, uh, you know, he's a good three-point shooter. And then all the other stuff he does. It's yeah. it's shocking. It's he's more than a surprising. radio personality now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say. I think that's an understatement. Uh, Robert says, I believed he had something to prove. He just needed a real chance. Plus, he came from the city my sister and family lives in. Okay, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of guys have something to prove, and they need a real chance. Well, I think everybody has something to prove. But that doesn't mean you're going to take off the way Joe has. Ron says simply, thank you, L.A. Clippers. Okay, but, uh, you know, there was a, he was a free agent, so the Clippers invited him. So thank you for inviting him to training camp. Thank you for because cutting I don't think him. He, yeah, I don't think he means that as a positive. No, I think there's some sarcasm there, and he's happy the Clippers cut him. Yeah, but they brought him to training camp. How about all these other teams? The Jazz had a connection. It's not like that connection all of a sudden materialized when he was cut by the Clippers. They took advantage of it at that point. Good for them. Great for them. Great move. Great move. Uh, this is this is right there with uh, drafting Millsap in the second round. Maybe even better as far as uh, that goes. Uh, plucking somebody out of obscurity. And Royce O'Neal belongs on that list too. And there's a ton of – you can go on and on with these guys because I mean, they've been very good at that. Rudy Gobert, Mitchell, you name it basically. And so getting this guy the way they did, I, I would look at – Thanks to the Clippers for bringing him over and making him a last cut. I wouldn't look at that as a negative. You would genuinely thank them for serving him up on a platter. Well, bringing him over and making him last, because if he's cut early, ah, man, the Clippers, they didn't even think he was good enough to, to extend the whole training camp. But he's cut late, if I recall the story, is they had an injury, they needed a player at another position or what have you. I don't remember exactly all the details now. So having him in training camp all that time puts him out on the radar and the Jazz go ahead and and sign him. And thankfully the Jazz sucked at the time. If they had their team now, say they had somebody like a Joe Ingles going into next year and he gets cut, Jazz don't have any need for him, but the all the all the timing had to be there, and maybe you even throw in the the drafting of the young kid uh, Exum from Australia. It's it's same language, obviously, that they speak in Australia. Yeah, but he's still moving so, halfway around the world. The yeah, culture's and different. And he's a youngster to, mm-hmm. to a degree, and and maybe that played into it. I mean, I think that was overplayed. I think you're trying to make your team better. 
but maybe that was something. Even if it's a small part, Joe doesn't care. He's just great thankful to stick but it's not just about sticking in the nba because he's done far more than stick in the nba it really is phenomenal and there's just i'm right with you as far as shoulder to shoulder saying there's no way he's doing step back threes now <laughs> and just not even doing any and nobody's hey a joe ingles made a step back three okay yeah all right now, i've seen this i've seen it a million times it's just absolutely incredible James says, I still remember Joe's first few games and me thinking the only reason we added him was to give Exum a bridge and some comfort for his transition. Sure. I would have laughed if anyone suggested Ingles would have a far better career than Exum. Boy, was I wrong. Ingles, Malone, Bell are my three favorite jazz players of all time. Ingles is probably number one. I love the guy. Ooh, I'm going to have a hard time going above Hornacek. I've got to have a one and one A there. Hornacek is uh, he's been my guy for a long time. He was my guy back in Phoenix, and I had I didn't have inter- I didn't have any interaction with him outside of uh, interviewer interviewee uh, until he actually came to Utah, and then I got to know him a little bit beyond that. Uh, but I had family who had interactions with him down in the valley, and the the quality of that dude is just sensational. And uh, so I, I think I still got to give a slight edge to, to Jeff there. Uh, but, Joe, we're, we're approaching dead heat category, and we're probably already there. You know, guys who have told you a lot about the NBA, and you have to be willing to put yourself out there, and these aren't the only two. But I wonder, uh, that's a summer topic sometime, 10 jazz not just players, because you got to take in other people in the organization, but 10 jazz people. Let's just go with that. 10 jazz people who've made you a smarter basketball fan or a smarter basketball media member in our cases, but I think for the whole fan base. Because these guys are willing to put themselves out there, talk about the game, talk about players, and they say stuff that we can't know, and they say it in a way that we know it and get us to think about stuff we didn't think about. I mean, both these guys have said so much about what it's like to play in the NBA, how you play, how you adjust, stuff that you and I didn't play in the NBA. You and I didn't come anywhere near playing in the NBA. So there's, there's just stuff to learn, and you got to appreciate those people who, who throw that stuff out there for you. Well, sure, yeah. Well, everything you said. All right, we got more people weighing in. Question of the day. And uh, people all over Facebook, who thought Joe Ingles could be this good? Admit it. No way you did. Tony says Joe plays for all slow dads of the past. We love Joe. And that drives me nuts. <laughs> I knew it would. The That's slow stuff. Get out of town, man. I mean, what's the John Wooden play fast but not in a hurry? Uh, there's, there's something to be said for what Joe does, the pace in which he plays. Plus, when he gets around the corner – and, you know, it's not downhill. They like to say that. It's obviously not literal. But he gets up enough speed combined with his savvy and skill. It's not just savvy. It's skill. He's got high skill. You know, what does the defense do? Does it sag? Do you get weak side help? And then he throws to the corner, mm-hmm. which a lot of times, uh, depending on where it is, is in front of the team's bench. Uh, so you combine all those things. But you got to have the skill. You can be the brightest mind in the world and, and you end up being a Majerus. You have no game. 
but you're as smart as can be, and that's what I think Majerus was. I mean, his mind was incredible, but he'll tell you, he told you many times he had no game, uh, so you end up being a coach. Well, you can't just be smart. you got to be smart, and there's plenty of smart guys in the league. Uh, most of them are smart for that matter, uh, but you got to have the skill too. And, and if it was that slow – then it wouldn't be as effective. It wouldn't be effective as a, at all if it was slow. It may not be Russell Westbrook fast, I, or John Wall, or these speed demons up and down the floor. I get all that, but I, I think it's that that slow stuff. Uh, I think it's greatly exaggerated. I think it's greatly exaggerated, and I think there are a lot of coaches at multiple levels who have told players, "You go a hundred percent speed at the defensive end." But then you got to dial it down and go two-thirds or three-quarter speeds at, off- at the offensive end. You love baseball analogies, and it's a pitcher. you got to be able to change speeds. And that's what Joe does. And he's taking his time. And, and you got to give his teammates credit because the only reason that whole slow-mo Joe pick-and-roll into the lane oh, and that looping layup works is because they've spread the floor. And he's not getting the second and third defender coming at him from crazy angles because they're afraid to leave these guys. And that's partly because, obviously, he's a very good passer, too. And so he's got more time and space and just go slow and get you caught in no man's land. You know, get you commit to one or the other and then he'll beat you the other way. I mean, he's got Gobert to throw it to. You know, Gobert's going to finish most of these alley-oops, especially when he's in space with nobody around him. So, yeah, you got to credit all the team around him, but... The, you know, watch Steph Curry. Steph Curry isn't going a million miles an hour. He's getting guys into no man's land and making them pay. You know, It's the rare guy. Westbrook, he's a great example. John Morant's another. There are guys who can go 94 feet in the blink of an eye. But there's only a handful of guys who can do that, and that's not Joe's game. That's, that's not the game for a lot of really good offensive players. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's not because... We're naming the fast players, right? And, yeah, and it's that's a small number. So that means everybody else is going on the, at the speed they go to succeed. Yep. All right, DJ PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. We got more. Of you weighing in? Stay with us. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for the Bleacher Report, is here in an hour on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The zone. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Question of the day, Joe Ingles. Who thought he could be this good? Admit it, there's no way you did. And Brendan just tweeted at us, I will admit that I thought he was going to be a bench player who would last a season or two at best. He's completely proved me wrong. Okay, the line begins over here. <laughs> so I'm curious. He's a bench player. How many Joe Ingles are out there that don't get discovered? You know, Let's say that Joe had stayed with the Clippers. And... They have guys who play the positions in front of him. And, you know, in Utah, one thing or another happened. And partly it was Joe getting better, but partly opportunity knocked, right? Yes. Gordon Hayward left, played a very similar role to Joe. Joe could have been stuck behind him and had less opportunity. And you can probably go down a list of other players, right? You could end up with another team. And, I mean, it was the Clippers. It could have been somebody else could have offered. He could have gone there. It could have been stuck behind guys and not quite 
it not quite clicked, right? You don't work with the same assistant coach who pumps you up with confidence and wants you to do something and, and talks you in the right way so you really buy into, hey, I can make the step back three. Who knows what little things tweak that and it goes differently. How many guys out there who could be a Joe Ingles, and you can go back because you started to do it in the last segment, and reference other jazz players who seem to come out of nowhere, right? Uh, Royce would be a current example. Uh, way back, Raja Bell would be an example. The Jazz have a long history of second-round draft picks and undrafted guys who turned into pretty good NBA players. And Joe's going to the high end of that group, you know, literally leading the league right now in three-point shooting. But I wonder how many guys are out there in the NBA who, if they got in the right system, had the right teammates, which means putting good players around you, but not in front of you at your position so that you get the chance and get enough of a chance to really show what you can do. I wonder how many guys there are. By definition, I don't think we know it, but I'm curious. All right. Well, I'm not. Um, I think those guys uh, come to pass. I don't know that these are the 450 best players in the world, so every single one of them. Uh, belongs there over somebody else <clears throat> because I believe there's good ball played at the college level and like Suggs, to me Suggs is an NBA player right now <clears throat> and he hasn't played a down or a play in the NBA but I still think he's an NBA player right now uh, and he'll, he'll need some adjustment time and I, I would also throw into the equation you know, as far as timing and timing being well, he's the best three-point shooter in the league. Well, that means a whole heck of a lot more, more yeah. today than in 1991. Yeah, right? He would have never gotten a green light the way he's gotten it now. He's definitely a guy who is playing in the right generation, the right time for his skill set. Yeah, and that's extremely important. And he's playing it on a team that gives the go-ahead <clears> – <throat> I saw something, was it yesterday in pregame, Quinn Snyder, I think it was yesterday, I'm not sure, that he said he'd rather have a guy go 0 for 10 from 3 than 2 for 2. I may be paraphrasing, but the point he was making is he wants the volume. So the era that Joe's in is obviously the best suited, <laughs> and the team that he's on, too. Because I don't know that other teams want that type of uh, amount of threes put up to the level that the Jazz do, and they clearly that they do. Jerry Sloan never said, I want someone to go for 10. <laughs> Didn't say it. Jerry said, we've got enough three-point takers. We need some three-point makers. Yeah, it was just a different time. Oh, absolutely. Different philosophy. Absolutely. It wasn't surrounded by this many guys who could shoot the three. I mean, it just had to kind of evolve. It didn't happen in a moment. You know, why don't you want to shoot a few more threes? Why don't you shoot a few more threes? Hey, let's go all in, said Houston, and shoot more than that. Yeah, I think they had them back then. They just didn't know it or use it or want it. I mean, I think the players back then could have shot just as well. It's not that long ago. I mean, we're not going back in that long. I mean, certainly Stockton and Hornacek could have shot. There are guys who could have shot game. it, sure. Russell but, was decent. But we're at a point now where there's 50 or maybe even 51 guys shooting 40% and a whole bunch of guys at 38 and 39% that aren't but, that far off. And I think they could have done it then, too. Mm. I, don't, I don't think this is that long ago to where the skills of the players have dramatically transformed. 
Uh, maybe I'm wrong. We'll never know. But that's just my own thought. And if you want to think otherwise, I can't prove or disprove it either way. But just using the, <clears throat> the Jazz as a team. So all those factors had to come in. And I think the number one factor is Joe himself. I think you have to give the credit to the individual to uh, look at it and see where do I fit in, where do I need to get better. And he talked about how uh, Quinn Snyder told him in the early days, you want to get on a four, play me D, and then I can I can use you. So you know he had to go through that. And then, then you can see it in his release, and he's talked about it, to where <clears throat> the release bringing the ball down as opposed to keeping it uh, above your shoulders so you're catching and shooting all virtually in the same motion. Uh, he, uh, Joe's talked about that. I've seen him. I used to go early in the, uh, you know, get there at 5 o'clock at the arena and just sit there. The, the, the public wasn't allowed in, but obviously we'd be in and just sit in uh, upper uh, level of the lower bowl and watch him just take these shots a million times over. I think Guthrie, who's gone now, was his assistant, mm-hmm. and they would just work on it over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like I told you that time. Uh, one time I was at the uh, Mount, um, the Big What, Big West, uh, West Coast Conference tournament, and I was at the Orleans, and I saw Sabonis for like 20 minutes. He was working on footwork, he, and he had no ball. He did not. He was not putting a shot up. He was just working on footwork doing all these things in the post. Well, he's transformed himself into a pretty good player. So that's what it takes. And I think that's a credit to the individual that he's willing to do that. And I think ultimately the credit goes to Joe for him doing what he needed to do. And then certainly you have to go and start with the management. That's that's what I was talking about yesterday in this Dwayne Wade thing. And it's exciting to have Dwayne Wade associated with the team. But let's not forget the organization has done some great things. And, and Wade can be an asset to that organization, no question. But I believe that the organization is bigger than any one individual. And you have to have all these experts doing what they do. And from the Jazz perspective, they deserve credit for developing Joe Ingles. So I'd put it Joe 1 for developing himself and then the organization 2. And that includes everybody. It's not a singular Quinn Snyder, Dennis Lindsay, whomever. I'm talking everybody involved, people that I probably don't even know and know their names. They're involved in getting this man to be a, an extremely talented player on the team that has the best record in the league. You know, I think that uh, your point about Wade, that goes to what he said when he said, I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not only all the people in the organization now, many of whom we can't name, uh, you know, but it's all the people who built on that. You know, why did why did Dennis Lindsay want to work for this organization? Well, he knew the Millers were, you know, a patient uh, ownership group. There are probably other opportunities. And, you know, it certainly had friends take other opportunities where it's like, yeah, you got a window. But, man, they will move. (laughs) <laughs> and they will move on you if it doesn't go right right away. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they 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 trusted Dennis 
because there was some lean times, and they knew full well we are going to have lean times. This is not going to be a surprise here. We're going to have lean times, but this is the plan, and we're going to stick to the plan, and we're not going to overreact, and we're not going to just blow it up and restart the plan, and then whatever progress we've made, we've just undercut that progress by starting all over again. And that's what I've said a million times. That's what drives me crazy, the uh, opportunity to have a plan, and then you get in a panic situation, and then you change it all and you just wasted all that time so they didn't do that so all these folks put them in a pot and they all deserve credit and now here's joe shooting 49 percent, posing after buckets against the lakers holding it and random people in the staples center yelling at him and joe loving every second of it <laughs> yeah and that that adds to his story yeah uh, that he's uh What's the word? Boisterous, flamboyant, emotional. I'm not even sure I can pinpoint it out on the floor. Uh, and the, the bottom line is having fun. And that's what he uses to motivate himself. And, you know, it's trash talkers of the past. We, we hear of Reggie Miller talking about Larry Bird. And we know that Gary Payton loved to do that stuff. And Westbrook today seems to play like uh, somebody just ran over his cat or something. I mean, he's always furious about one thing or another. Uh, and if that's what uh, works for him, great to be to me be motivated. And Joe likes to do all this stuff. And plus, the, the thing that I think the connection from the fan base is that he hasn't isolated himself. He's not behind the walls all the time that – People look at him and they see somewhat of a common dude. And, you know, he's got these issues in his life and he's put them out there with his child and the autism. And so he could be your neighbor. And if he was your neighbor, hey, Joe, how's it going? What you up to? Uh, yeah, hey, got to go. I got to go to play a basketball game. You know, just mm. the, it, it just he seems like a common man rather than this huge, huge celebrity that is completely and totally unapproachable. I wonder, I wonder how many more of those there'll be and to what degree, because the players are getting more and more removed from the community, you know, and it's for lots of reasons and lots of little things, and sometimes it's uh, planned and sometimes it's just happenstance. You know, I mean, I, I'll give you an example. They, you know, they've put the, the chef in the, uh, they've got the chef who cooks for the players in the facility, right? And Locke was telling us last week about, you know, there are days that are locked out and there are days you got to be there for practice and there's a get-what-you-need day. And maybe you just come down and, and the chef cooks a meal for you and you get some shots up and you need treatment on whatever, you know, ankle or wrist or whatever is bothering you. And then you grab something for lunch and then you leave. Well, Carl Malone, when he was a rookie, you know, none of that existed. And so he had his favorite restaurants and he interacted with people at those restaurants. And people knew, uh, you know, Bowler will have Bowler on and he'll tell you all about, um, you know, the Judge Cafe. And Carl was a regular there and people would see yeah. him and tell him, hey, go get him tonight, Carl, or, you know, whatever, whatever the topic of the day was. And that's all gone now, you know? And literally, we got players living in gated communities. I don't know how many of them. I know at least one of them, and I suspect there's a couple more. Uh, and they're just not interacting with people the same way. And the celebrity and the money, 
it sounds like a cop-out to kind of say it has to be that way, but I feel like inevitably it's going to be that way. Well, I think that to a degree the situation is dictated that it be that way because put yourself in the player perspective. When you walk out, somebody wants something from yeah, you. Yeah, right. That's the celebrity Almost I'm at talking all, about. at all times. Totally agree. And so do you want to deal with that? And what are their... Motivation. What, what do they yeah. want from you? Well, mm-hmm. are they trying to figure out a way to get close to you so you give them money? And where are we going with this stuff here? Yep. And so the money is outrageous, and it can solve all sorts of problems for a lot of different people. So those guys got to be careful. And then you get the women angle involved and all that stuff. And and I couldn't imagine. I'll never imagine because I won't be in that position. But who do you trust? And what is your circle? I would think your circle would be tight. And how do you let people in? Do you want to let them in? What's it going to be? Because somebody, every time, almost every second you're out there, is going to want something. If it, and maybe it just be, is a hello, mm-hmm. and or a An handshake, a handshake, yeah. a yeah. selfie. This in this era, a selfie. Yeah, my wife took a, a selfie with Steve Nash when we were in the security line, and Southwest Airlines flying. He was flying from L.A. to Phoenix. We were flying from L.A. back here on a, a football trip that she came with me, and it was in September, and he was after he had moved to the Lakers. And he just turned around and posed, and it was, you know. I did it so quickly because I was sort of embarrassed uh, that it was actually blurry, and you could barely ah, tell. You wrecked it. I did. <laughs> you I wrecked did. it. Yeah, I did. I did because I just – that's not what I do. Uh, but she's she wanted it, and he was – Right, stand literally right in front of us in the security line. So to me, these guys, uh, I I don't view them as anything but basketball players or whatever players they are. And if I know you, if I would know Joe, I'll I'll chat with him. But the rest of them, I would just I got nothing to say to you. You're a basketball player. And then in another time, we were at Manhattan Beach out in the water and just kind of wading in, and there he was. So this was an entirely separate time a few years later, and there he was with his two kids, and I said, that's Nash five feet away from us, but she didn't want to say anything to him. She's too chicken. (laughs) (laughs) You got to know PK's wife to know how entertaining this is. Yeah. You can tell her I found this very entertaining. (laughs) And she always liked, I mean, she's a Phoenix fan because she's a Phoenix native, right? Mm -hmm. So she... Uh, roots for all those teams and uh one other time we were at the phoenix open and she loved dan marley thunder dan and here comes marley and we're in between holes we're over by the entrance and of course there's millions of people there millions of thousands and i said we're walking i said here comes marley man he's coming right at us and i saw him about 10 15 yards away and uh she didn't say anything. <laughs> she she walked right by. And I will tell you one other time, we were down at, this is another story, at the Phoenix Open. Now, she loves Ricky Fowler, right? That's her favorite golfer, somebody who hasn't done a whole lot, but nevertheless has got a lot of run. And um, I got credentialed because it was Johnny Miller's uh, last broadcast. And remember, I went down and, and, and mm-hmm. had a little press conference. Yep. And she was with me. And they give you a parking pass, and so you walk through the security with the parking pass, 
and then that leads you into the golf area where you can get your credential to then have access, right? So she's with me, and I've got the parking pass that they mail you. And uh, I show it to them, and they let me, and she's right with me. So now we're in the player's parking lot, right? And who do you think is unloading stuff out of an SUV not more than 10 yards away? It's Ricky Fowler. (laughs) (laughs) and i say to her i said she looks there's ricky fowler i said don't say anything (laughs) because because now we're on company time yeah right right and uh no no before those other times i wasn't on company time you were were a spectator in a spectator area yeah i'm just joe citizen yeah Yeah. now we're in a secured area right with the media right yeah and I'm going to pick up my media pass, and it's just a, it's a parking lot, basically, that you walk through. And then when you get to the end of the parking lot, that's where you get your pass that allows mm-hmm. you your credential to do what you need to do. And uh, then she went in and just went into the gallery. And I said, don't say anything. And she, oh, yeah. I said, no, don't say anything. Please don't say anything. So I told her not to. But then uh, we, we walked down to get the pass, and he walks right by her. I mean, shoulder to shoulder. And I said to her, well, why didn't you say good luck today? Because you told me not to say anything. <laughs> I said, well, you come up, could have said good luck to him. And then she could have spoken to Ricky Fowler. But but she didn't. She she listened to me. So we were professional the whole way. Uh, so now we got to get one clarification before we run here, PK. So, <laughs> so were you in the photo with Steve Nash and your wife, because then it's a no. selfie. If you're taking no. the photo, it's not a selfie anymore. Now it's a photo. Got people who are very particular. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you took I'm a photo of the two of them. I, I took the photo and I hurried it so fast that it was blurry, yeah. and it's it's not even worth showing people because you don't really know that it's Steve Nash. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. A jazz update on the way. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for the Bleacher Report, coming up in half an hour right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.